I had wine for breakfast. Welcome to another episode of Let's Rewatch, the show where we watch movies we loved in our youth and see if they're actually still any good. I'm Nick. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. I'm Ash. So I'd like to revisit that classic game that we play on this show all the time. You know, the game uh, Tony or Ridley. Oh, so shoot. I... True romance. Tony or Ridley? I know the answer. Wait, why I did I think we were doing Truman Show? Because <laughs> we were talking about doing Jim Carrey movies. Because Brett needs to learn to enunciate when he talks. We're going to do true romance. <laughs> Sounds believable. I always call yeah. it true bromance. Maybe. I will go with Tony. It's Tony. Yes, it is Tony. So we're watching True Romance, which was written by Tarantino, but directed by Tony Scott. Um, and this would have been the movie right after Last Boy Scout, which oh. we also watched on this show. So expectation bar is kind of yeah. confusing. It's like... <laughs> That's what we're dealing with. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good point. It's like, <laughs> you know, it should be good, but also... Mm. <laughs> should be terrible. But it was... Okay, so True Romance was 93, which puts it right in between Last Boy Scout and Crimson Tide. Arguably, Tony's dumbest and most intelligent movies i haven't seen crimson tide yeah i don't think i have either it's you know uh submarine military posturing type stuff i was gonna say oh. i've seen a lot of submarine movies and i think that's the one i'm missing yeah yeah we gotta watch some submarine movies guys <laughs> yeah hunt for the red october I you think the weird one who really likes u571 yeah do you like u571 yeah that was cool yeah i've never seen it i mean mcconaughey is is Kind of terrible in it, but it's still pretty great. Is Mikhail's Navy? That's a submarine one, right? Mikhail? No, no, but Down Periscope That's is. the one I'm thinking of. I love that yeah. one. Mikhail's Navy was... Mikhail's Navy? Nick, what is going Dang, on? Yeah. I'm having a slow stroke. <laughs> no, that was a 1960s comedy show that they made into a movie. Oh. That should have, but did not star Joel McHale. So I think whenever I talk about... Uh, true romance i've been saying the wrong thing because i always say this was tarantino's first movie but actually reservoir dogs came out in uh the year before so reservoir dogs came out in 92 well this is tarantino's first script ah he wrote it first but it wasn't produced until yeah, after he i made think reservoir dogs. that's why it's uh-huh. generally thought of as his first movie so do they okay. count do they count this one as like I guess does does he count this as one of his movies? That's you know, I was thinking question. about that because didn't they say like Hateful Eight was advertised as like the eighth movie by Quentin Tarantino? Yeah, they were and really I big wanna, on the numbering. Because I want to go back and do the count because on IMDb there is a listing for a movie called My Best Friend's Birthday, what? which looks like something that he did with his pals in 1987. Huh. And so I have to wonder, does he count that? Because it's a feature-length movie, and he directed it. I mean, I don't know. Was he in school at the time? Uh, I don't know. I think he was well out of school when he started making movies. That reminds me of my high school art teacher. <clears throat> he said that he didn't want anyone to know how bad he was before he got good. 
So he just took all of his bad sculptures and threw them into the ocean. That is so (laughs) metal. That is very dramatic. Awesome. It's it's like nobody will ever find them. It's like you've got to be terrible before you can get good, and that's what scares most people away. Like you have to write horrible stuff before you write anything good. Yeah, I should do that. I have some high school films that I'd really rather nobody ever see again. So I think the the interesting thing to talk about here is not the films directed by Tarantino, but the films written by Tarantino that he did not direct. Because I was looking on IMDb and finding there were a lot, well, maybe not a lot more, but more than I thought. You know, of course, he wrote From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. And Robert Rodriguez directed that. But it was kind of a partnership there. And when I was trying to describe true romance is kind of like natural born killers, and that's what I was thinking of, mm. turns out Tarantino wrote natural born killers, mm. which oh. I did not realize. There were a couple other writers credited as well, but his name is on there. See, I always get this movie confused with punch drunk love for some reason. Yeah, that makes no sense. I know it doesn't. I don't know why, but... <laughs> Well, if you're just going by titles, I get it. Yeah, I think but just subject matter. It, it's, it's much the closer punching to, from True Romance. I just like how many how many levels does that not make sense on? Like, did did Quentin Tarantino write an Adam Sandler movie? Isn't it insane that P.T. Anderson directed an Adam Sandler movie? Yeah, <laughs> isn't that bit. bonkers? That was P.T. Isn't it Steve crazy Carell. that Ash doesn't like this movie and it's amazing? I didn't say I didn't like it. I just, I, it's one of those movies that like, I remember watching it and being like, okay, I was okay. But I have no <laughs> memory done. of it, which made me not um, like excited to see it again, you know? Wait, do you hate True Romance or Punch Drunk Love? I've never seen True Romance. I've only me seen neither. Punch Drunk Love. Ah, okay. Now we're getting into it. Yeah. All Brett, right. have you seen it? I have seen it. Okay. Yeah. Several years ago. Okay. And and Brett, you were kind of pushing for us to do this. And when I heard the suggestion, I was so on board. Yeah. And I, I think it's, uh, my thought is I remember enjoying it, um, but I recall it definitely had that, um, there's a feel to, to movies from the early 90s uh, that feels a little mm. rough uh, in, in a way that movies before and after didn't have. And, and this yeah. definitely, I think, has that. So I think it fit, it fit for the podcast. I was like, I th- I'm pretty sure it's good, but like, yeah, it could, it could be way off. I remember it being awesome, but I also don't remember much about it, which is weird. <laughs> yeah. Like we've talked about it before. When I don't remember it, it means it's bad. Mm-hmm. Well, that but was what, it being really good. That was what was in my head. When I was confusing it with Punch Drunk Love, I was like, if I don't remember it, does that mean it's bad? Because I was thinking of your rule. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, Punch Drunk Love, that was, uh, they retold the true story of that guy who scammed the pudding company in the most boring way possible. Mm. And a bunch of other stuff in the movie. Like, that was only one part of the movie. (laughs) But yes, that was in the movie. I'm getting it confused with a lot of other movies. Yeah, see, that's getting it confused with Spanglish. And then what was the one with Steve Carell and Emma Stone? Oh, and uh, Ryan Gosling. Crazy Stupid Love. Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah. Which is also amazing. Yeah, that one's really good. That one I really liked. Yeah. But you see why it's like there's just something about Punch Drunk Love that's kind of forgettable that makes you like go, (laughs) wait, which movie is that again? I can see why it's forgettable, but 
man, it's got some beautiful stuff in it. Yeah, I don't want to knock your opinions too hard, Nick, but I finished that movie and I was like, fuck that. Switch the channel. <laughs> oh, now is the time you're going to not want to knock my opinions? <laughs> I thought the show is all about us fighting. <laughs> I, I honestly don't have too strong of an opinion about that movie, so I can't argue too much. Yeah. So I do want to talk uh, about some of the actors in this movie, but before we move away from Quentin, I want to get your your general thoughts on two upcoming movies that have been in the news that that they say Quentin will do, which may or may not actually happen. Oh, yeah. So first uh. is about the Manson family murders. Mm. I think that fits. I could see that working. Isn't there yeah. an actor attached to that too? That was playing that Charles I don't Manson, know. And it was like a maybe interesting. When I hear about Quentin Tarantino doing a Manson movie, I think about Summer of Sam, the Spike Lee movie about the son of Sam, but not really. It was about what was happening in specifically in New York with real people at that time. And so I wonder if that's what this movie would be. Like, is it exactly, like, is there an actor playing Charles Manson, or is it, like, what's happening in the world around that time? But Quentin Tarantino has a style that, I, I mean, I can't imagine retelling that story in a way that I'm going to enjoy mm. uh, yeah. through, through the Quentin Tarantino Well, it's Tarantino not a fun lens. story, right? No, and I also have a personal problem with the retelling of like horrifying true stories for yeah. for entertainment me too uh, a little bit uh, Don't and, see that. and taking taking that you know i mean when when charles manson died uh, and everybody was you know making jokes online there was a lot of people who were just like, no, don't joke, because that was real serious. And like, it really yeah. traumatized a huge portion of America. And I don't know. I, that's, I think that's a true thing. Like, you can't just go and especially mm. not through the Tarantino lens, like f- filtering that story is just going to be fucking bizarre and jokey. And I don't think it's going to sit right. But that's why I did like Summer of Sam, because that was about like, well, what's happening in our culture when this goes down? And it wasn't jokey, you know? Mm. It's mm. Leonardo DiCaprio, by the way, is said to play Charles Manson. Hmm. Interesting. Now, is Leo playing Charles Manson or there's something about a TV actor? I'm seeing oh, a I little blurb. Spence. Yeah, I hope they I? don't have Leo playing Charles Manson. <laughs> I, I mean, that's cool. what I'm seeing. I yeah I agree like like when Chainsaw Massacre came out, it was like seriously, guys, like yeah. that's fucked up. But okay, so how do you feel about Inglorious Bastards? Because is it not that? But I feel you know, like turning something horrifying into something jokey. It is, but it's not glor. It's not glorifying it, and instead, I think it's mm-hmm. doing the opposite. It's you know talking about the importance of that histo- historical moment. You know, like Schindler's List, like it treats it. Yeah. In the correct way, as opposed to like chains, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is all about like, yeah, let's watch people get cut up by chainsaws. You know, it's not treating it in the way that it should be treated. Bastards was more like wish fulfillment. It was like, yeah, Yeah. let's watch people kick the ass of the people who did the bad thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And And that made it kind of jokey and fun. And there might also be an element of like, I mean, you know, uh, what tragedy plus time equals comedy? Like I, I saw one of like a you know the the big bouncy inflatable bouncy house things for kids parties. 
I saw one and it was a big slide made out of bouncy house, but mm-hmm. it was the Titanic going down. Oh. oh and yeah, I thought I that was that. horrifying. Yeah. But like you say, you know, like, tragedy plus by time. That now, you know? But if that was like you know? in Parks and Rec, it would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Like, that's I don't know why, but I could see that in Parks and Rec. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, I think there's a danger specifically with serial killers and and really like glorifying them, you know, because I mean, did I ever tell you guys about my old roommate and how she like serial killer? Yeah. No, she had a picture of Charles Manson up on her wall. Like, I, oh. I, I feel like there's a danger uh, where these these this younger generation that doesn't you know, didn't really live through it. And I didn't either, but like you start to glorify them and then they kind of think like, oh, well he was cool. And like, he actually had these really cool ideas and whatever. And it's like, no, 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 no. He killed people. Yeah. That's a good reason to ask that person to move out. And her, okay. So her, she painted (laughs) one wall was black. One wall was red, like blood red. And the other wall was gray. And she moved out. And the only thing she left was this Charles Manson picture on her wall and it was just like you'd she walk left in, it behind. Yeah, and you walk in her room and you just get the freaking heebie-jeebies because like, just like, run, yeah. just run. Just you don't need that apartment anymore. Just go away. <laughs> well, burn it. I down, mean, I would say so. burn it down. Except, except yeah. it did. It did. did. Yeah, yeah, it literally burned down. That's kind of a funny prank to play on your roommate, though. Make him think you're like a weird serial killer. Yeah, actually, maybe she's just a comedic genius. <laughs> maybe. God. She did really hate me by the time she moved out. <laughs> if that's dangerous, here's another thing that might be equally dangerous. I know what Quentin... you're going to say, and I have so many thoughts. Okay, <laughs> lay it on Say it, say it. What? So well, say Quentin it. Tarantino, Star Trek movie. No, it can't happen. It's not okay. You can't <laughs> raid Star Trek R. The fact that he's already come out and said that he's going to raid it R means that he doesn't get Star Trek. It's not about blood, guts, and like fucking all the time. Like that's what gets shit rated R, and that's not my Star Trek. Were the the Are you watching Star Discovery? Not rated R. The no, new none of the movies have ever gotten to R. No. Oh, okay. But we did not see Discovery. Star Trek Discovery is pushing the limits. Are you watching it? No. no. I saw we the just first finished Voyager. I saw the first episode. I'm so conflicted with Discovery. There's some great, great, great stuff. And then there's some stuff, like you're saying, Sam, like, this is dour. This is dark. This is not the optimism that I want from Star Trek. It yeah. shouldn't be a, mo- a, a show about a war, you know? Yeah. Although Deep Space Nine was kind of a show about a war. But, yeah, that's you what know? we're going to watch next. And Brett's not excited. Uh, it's like... Deep Space uh, Nine just, is great. It has this tone Star Trek does that's like... An idealized future, sure, it has some flaws, but, like, it's something to strive for. And, like, I think it just takes everything away from Star Trek to make it... Do you not think that Tarantino gets that and and maybe he's going to do something that's different from what he usually does? I hope so. And that was my thought at first. And then they came out and they're like, and it'll be rated R. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, I could see it going either way. I could see him being like, I get it. I have a vision for it. And I could see him being like, Star Trek could be cool if you added some more like killing and shit to it, you know? And it's like, That's the thing to be afraid of. Yeah. And and Discovery is a little bit that. No, not okay with that. I I guess the question I have is like, what – what evidence do we have that Quentin Tarantino 
can do something that isn't mm. what he normally does. Well, I mean, I guess mm. I would point to, which might not be a popular opinion, but I would point to, uh, was it the, the Hateful Eight? Is A lot of people told me, because I was late to watch it, and a lot of people told me like, oh, it's so bloody, it's so gory, and then... Sorry, spoiler alert, but I watched the movie and it's like not bloody or gory until like the last 20 minutes. And I was like, it's really not that bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, most of the movie is just about the dialogue, you know. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know I, I, if he cut out the bloody gory stuff, maybe. Yeah, I think the 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 character stuff and the dialogue and the figuring out a mystery elements of Hateful mm-hmm. Eight could in some ways be compared to Star Trek Six, hmm. yeah. You know, with with a bloody ending. <laughs> yeah, it's the the yeah. end of the movie will be the bloody part, I guess. Yeah, and but, I think- but and so is Star Trek Six a little bit, just you know, not as over the top as what Tarantino would have. That's kind of like the one of the you know what what makes Tarantino's stuff good though is like. It's his it's his dialogue builds to the action sequences. And mm-hmm. I feel like if you cut out one side or the other, it's not that good. Mm-hmm. Like the mm-hmm. without the dialogue, the action sequences are hollow. And without the action sequences, we just listen to people talk for a long time and nothing got done. <laughs> but but could the action instead of being blood splatter, could it be torpedoes and you know, phasers? Like and and would that be okay? You know, could it still be an exciting action where instead of knives and bloods and guns and it's torpedoes and phasers? Yeah, but then why is it rated R? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's because there's the space racism. I feel like Tarantino is also a guy who gets it. And so that gives me some optimism. But everything you're afraid of, Sam, I'm also nervous of. Yeah. And we don't I, even know if this thing is even going to happen. Yeah, that's true. And is it like a serious... Like a serious, or is it sort of like he's trying to, like, have commentary on Star Trek, like Black Mirror did? Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know. Careful, I haven't watched the new season of Black Mirror yet. Oh, okay. I want to see that as a yeah. TV show, like a regular series. Yeah. Uh, this this one episode of Black Mirror. It oh feel yeah, very yeah. Black Mirror, mm-hmm. but it would make a really cool concept for a show. Well, I think they said spin-off. they 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 are going. They're trying to do that. They I, are. I heard that they Ooh. are considering making it a spinoff. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, that would awesome. be super cool. Mm-hmm. But like again, like the I think if you remove the Black Mirror elements from it, it would be a really great standalone thing. Mm. You should watch it. <laughs> oh, I'm absolutely going to watch it. I'm. I'm. Yeah, I just haven't gotten to it yet. All right, so let's let's jump through our actors here real quick and then get into the movie. Um, our, our two main leads here are actors who I think of as people who did awesome stuff in our youth, kind of faded from our consciousness, consciousness for a little bit, but very recently did awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so Patricia Arquette, I first saw her in Nightmare on Elm Street 3. That was, I think, her first big thing. She was in Ed Wood, Lost Highway. But then very She's recently... Yeah. Very recently, she came back in a huge way with Boyhood and blew us all away. Mm-hmm. Oh, I still haven't. And it turns seen out that's that. what she was doing for the past twelve years. <laughs> she was getting paid. Christian Slater, uh, his first big thing was Legend of Billie Jean in 1985, which I think we've talked about. I love, and I don't think you guys have seen. Mm-mm. Yeah, like, I've not seen that. Billie Jean is in the song, or 
No. No. Oh. You're thinking Norma Jean? No. 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 But Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson is not Michael Jackson. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the uh, the song about Marilyn Monroe. Oh, no. Um, but no, different, completely original story. So many Marilyns um, in this episode. He was in Heathers in 1988, and we've been talking about watching Heathers for some reason, mm-hmm. right? Well, there's a new TV show. How? How okay. are you making a TV show out of Heathers? I have a lot of opinions about this as well. I hated Heathers. Whoa. <laughs> wow. I hated it. He's coming out swinging. Watch it. Okay, I'll save it. coming for you, Christian. <laughs> you know what, though? I could see, like, like uh, did you guys see Scream Queens? Oh, yeah. No. no, but Marissa's in that. What? What? Yeah. Okay, we didn't We, did, we didn't watch all of it, but, like, yeah. I that was good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was good, you guys. Wait, am I uh, thinking of the? Oh no, I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of the reality show where they scream. Oh, or something. that sounds no. like a horrible reality show. Well, no, <laughs> Scream Queens is like a a super super campy, uh, it's, like sorority. Wasn't it by um, the people who did Glee? Is it? I think it is. It, it kind of has that like. Glossy bubblegum feel to it, mm-hmm. but it's about murder and like I don't know. It was it was a fun aesthetic. Yeah, it it was an interesting tone that we'd not seen in a TV show before. And and for the record, I'm not saying that reality show is terrible. I'm just saying the way you <laughs> described it, a reality show with screaming. <laughs> well, it was like <laughs> got to be more than that. Uh, the, I believe the plot of the show was who's the next like horror show scream queen, you know, like who who's going to okay. be. And so the whole point of the I'm not uh, I'm not defending it's gotta the show. It's got to be an element. It's a horrible <laughs> show, I'm sure, but like the whole idea of the show was they would put these actresses in um, horror scenarios and they had to scream and then they would rate their screams and I, all I know is Marissa was in it I don't know I haven't seen oh. it I that sounds interesting <laughs> yeah no Scream Queens it's like comedy horror and I feel like Heather's could be a series could you know you could that. stretch that plot out into several episodes and have it be that sort of deal maybe Sam's I'm skeptical <laughs> So Christian Slater has also come back in a in a huge way. I think we're all loving Christian Slater right now. Um, I don't think Brett and current... Sam has seen Mr. Robot. So Mr. Oh, Robot, of we course, have not seen. huge. So, so good. So Check out amazing. Mr. Robot. He's a recurring character on Archer. Oh, yeah, CIA Slater. Agent he's Slater. Slater. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's great. And he's the current voice of Deadshot in all of the Justice League cartoons. Mm. So now he's mm. like... He's doing awesome stuff again. Yeah. And I mean, he was always doing awesome stuff. He never went away, but especially Mr. Robot. I mean, like, when I saw so good. the trailer for, I looked up the trailer for True Romance and I saw Christian Slater and I was like, whoa, awesome. Definitely. He's a in. little young. And then I saw another actor that I was like, oh my God, yes. Okay. And I'm curious if you know which one I'm talking about. But Well, so we we have to like, watch the movie like we could spend so much time yeah but i'm just gonna roll off a list of actor names and stop me if you want to talk about val kilmer gary oldman dennis hopper oh, great brad pitt christopher brad pitt? walken so christopher walken was yeah. the one and i was like it's okay. wa- the walken or boobs so it's got walken and it also has okay. boobs probably i'm assuming <laughs> but uh, i don't remember it definitely has yeah walken. so it's already awesome yeah exactly walken. Bronson Pinchot, Sam Jackson, 
Michael Rappaport, James Gandolfini, Saul Robinick. Jeez. There's like a lot of people in this movie. Yeah. So many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm excited. Yeah. And this is like Thelma and Louise era Brad Pitt. Like this is Brad Pitt before he was Brad Pitt. It's Brad James Pitt? Gandolfini before he's James Gandolfini. Brad Pitt was in Thelma and Louise? Wasn't he? Isn't that where he started? I don't know. I've never seen that like, movie. He's like barely in it for a few minutes. Oh, wow. I yeah. didn't know that. So I'm I'm really excited about Gary Oldman. I think I kind of remember Gary Oldman being awesome in this. Has he ever not been awesome? Seriously. No. And <laughs> yeah, I I can't wait <laughs> to see Darkest Hour. He's pretty old, man. Oh god, I wish I could remember there's there's somebody whose name is like Youngman or I can't remember, but he's older than Gary Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, just a huge list of people I'm very excited to see here. So, um, Sam ain't seen it. Ash ain't seen it. Nope. Brett, you've seen it, but can't remember. Uh, I'll, I'll say, just to get mine out of the way, I'm super excited to see this. I'm so completely into this. I remember it being awesome. Um, one of those actors who I threw out there has a very unique and cool performance in this movie. Um, but I don't remember much. So I feel like I get to see a fresh version of a movie that should be really good. Yeah, I'm I'm there with you. Now, Ash, there's something that I think specifically you will enjoy that we're going to talk about after the movie. Ooh, cool. So what are you expecting? Uh, I'm expecting just, and I didn't watch the whole trailer. I just watched the trailer till I saw um, Christopher Walken and I was like, I'm in. And I closed the trailer. <laughs> Uh, but I kind of, I kind of got like a natural born killers sort of vibe, um, which I'm excited about and I'm excited to see, I mean, I love Quentin and I love Tony Scott, so I'm excited to see this weird hybrid love child of both of their work. Um, so I, I have expectations. It definitely looks nineties. Like it looks dated, but I'm okay with that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched trailers or anything, but I saw a picture of Christian Slater and he looks 12 years old. Oh my God, yeah. So it's going to be, yeah, very <laughs> yeah. 90s. I want to make Sam? a Mr. Robot joke, um, but they haven't seen it yet, so I can't. Oh. Oh well. Sorry. All, all of my expectations are completely, I, I don't want to say irrational, but maybe unreasonable. For some reason, I kind of feel like it's going to be like the substitute, but if it were as good as Terminator. (laughs) (laughs) I want to make a movie with that on the poster. (laughs) It's like Like the the substitute, substitute. but as good as Terminator. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It could be. I just want to fly full speed into this with that on the table. So I don't think this is on Netflix or streaming services, but I I saw it uh, on iTunes. You can rent it for a dollar. So that's good. Yeah. Um, So we're going to pause recording and we're going to watch True Romance and then we're going to tell you what we think of it. Hello, babe. Oh, yeah, that's good, too. 
Chantilly lace and a pretty face. Wait, so burr, burr, burr. was Val Kilmer Elvis? Yes. Oh. Wasn't Val Kilmer awesome? He was. I I, yeah. I, I like I didn't realize it was him until on IMDb he's not credited as being Elvis. His He's credited as the mentor. The mentor, yeah. Which I'm oh, like, Oh yeah. I was really I was like, who the fuck is the mentor? Yeah. yeah. I'm but like, clearly. he's Elvis. Yeah. 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 Um, you know who was way better than Val Kilmer? Gary fucking Aldman, oh, yeah. even though he was in here for like two minutes. Doing his Johnny Depp impression. It was so great. <laughs> that is I did not point. get Johnny Depp at all, but like partway through his scene, I was like watching him and I was like, holy shit, that's Gary Oldman. I didn't recognize him. Oh my God. I was making fun of the his dreads. Are- There's always like that moment in in the, you know, I don't know what Gary Oldman is playing. And it's just like, yeah. uh, oh my God. He's a fucking yeah. chameleon, man. Yeah, he really yeah, is. When I, when I pointed out to Luna that that was Gary Oldman, she could not believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before watching it, I kind of remembered, well, I, I remember Gary Oldman. I remembered Val Kilmer. And I kind of remembered the Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken scene. And it turns out those are the only good things in the movie. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. no. Like, I had this, you know, those experiences, like, you you go into a movie and like, and it it's like, this is going to be awesome. And it starts and like, yeah, this is awesome. And it goes on a little while. It's like, yeah, this is good. And then after a while, like the Phantom Menace, it slowly dawns on you. Wait a minute. This is garbage. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. And by the end of yeah. it, it's like, oh, that was a bummer. Wow. I, I kind of, yeah, I'm totally on your page, Nick. Huh. I kind of saw where they were going, like at the end, like, oh, maybe it was all just a tongue in cheek joke on movies like this but i didn't feel like they yeah. pushed it far enough to make it parody and like i don't think it's a parody. good way to look at it but had it had they gone a little farther into parody it would have yeah. saved it yeah but yeah like uh the the cops were just way too goofy like come <laughs> on i can't get on board with cops like i that. Cops, enjoyed that though the cops are hilarious. so like Quentin Tarantino cops, though. Like, that's exactly how he'd write them. I don't know. I don't feel like the problems I have are Tarantino. I think the problems I have are Tony Scott. Hmm. Like, hmm. that was the worst parts of Last Boy Scout, not quite as bad as Last Boy Scout. Wow. You are having yeah. such a violent reaction to this film that I'm yeah. not having at all. I'm Nick, glad Nick's I'm... body is fully rejecting this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not alone because there were like several points in the movie where I was like, what the fuck? This is awful. And Brett's like, I'm liking it. I'm like, oh. well, I'm with you, no, Brett. Brett liked Last Boy Scout. I don't, I don't remember liking Last Boy Scout. I thought we all Boy hated Scout. Last Boy Scout. Okay, but did. it was his idea to watch it. I think it. Mike liked yeah. Last Boy Scout, Mike. and we yeah, ruined Mike, oh. his childhood. <laughs> yeah, Sam was so grossed out by the uh, the scene where she kisses oh. uh, Kiss Clarence's your dad, dad square on the lips. Oh. No. no. We were all grossed out by that. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that point, it was clear, like, she is not a character. She's just a sexy thing in the movie. I, I like, disagree. Fuck you. I think, yeah, I disagree with that. I think it makes she's sense. She's one of the best parts. Like, she's a call girl, and, like, I, I don't know. For four days. Right, but, I mean, I just think that's kind of, like, the world she comes from, and I don't know. I, I didn't, I could understand why her character would do that. I didn't feel like it was out of place yeah. for her character. Yeah. I mean, it's still gross. Yeah. The way the guys responded to it, though, like the dad was oh, like, oh, yeah. 
And then he's she like, does she really taste does like taste like, ah, no, yeah. well, no, I'm not okay with that. Her character is a character that is um, almost socially unacceptable to write nowadays. Mm. Yeah. Like, because she, she has basically zero backstory and nothing going on in her life. And she just yeah. jumps in on this guy's whack ass adventure. Uh, and she's got, you know, the, the, but no, can, n- no real hint of like anything going on except just like, mm-hmm. you know, d- devotion to this like obviously weird broken guy. You're so cool. Can yeah. I can I point out an obvious modern day one though? Sure. The girl from uh, Baby Driver. She's got no backstory. Nothing. Yeah. Going Definitely. On. She just yeah, goes definitely. along with everything well, he does. That leads into the first thing that was kind of bumming me out about this movie. So think about who Quentin Tarantino is at this time. He's a guy who worked in a video store, dead-end job, and he loved kung fu movies, yeah. and he loved well, Elvis. That's what I love. Like, this movie, the beginning was his wish fulfillment. Like, this is what totally. he wanted to happen. Right. He switched it to a comic book store, but he wants to, like, just have a girl walk up to him in the middle of a Sonny Chiba movie and fall in love with him. <laughs> and, yeah. and I was glad when we found out she was a call girl and that there was a reason for her being there, because before that, it was such flimsy wish fulfillment. But the thing I love about that is, like, I mean, obviously, it's all the things that Quentin loves, but they're still motivated. Like, like the whole... I feel like this film would not work if we didn't establish in the beginning that he likes kung fu films and that he likes superheroes because then it makes sense that he goes and he he wants to be the superhero to, and go kill the this awful pimp because he's been reading all these comic books and he thinks he can be a superhero. Because that's what Spider-Man would do. <laughs> Spider-Man yeah. would go kill the pimp. But exactly. Like, I mean, I just see, I see that like building up who he is and then watching these Kung Fu movies, he's like, I can do this. I could go kick some ass. You know, like I felt like while it definitely telegraphs, like these are things Quentin loves, they felt grounded and motivated for, for this character and explaining you know where he was going to go. It also felt a little tongue in cheek uh, as far as the character went because the the actions were motivated, uh, but it almost felt like you know f- at first wish fulfillment. Oh yeah, and then and then he's like, but wait, no, this isn't what happens to the pe- to to me who lives this lifestyle, and like any of the rest of this plot, like this guy's a fucking psycho, like, and that's <laughs> 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 that was that was how he wrote the rest of the movie. I do feel like the movie redeemed itself and I'm so happy when that happened because it it gave her a reason for for being there and it gave her you know some background rather than just the girl who appears because it was like the exact thing that he wanted. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I I think you're totally right, Ash. I'm not going to say I loved it, but it was yeah, it got better from there and then later got worse. I mean, for me, <laughs> this film is all about Alabama. Like, she kicks so much ass in this movie. And, like, honestly, it's refreshing. You know, like, you can you can see, like, the, the future echoes of Kill Bill in here. Where, like, Quentin writes the badass woman like nobody else, you know, that kicks ass. And 
I, ju- I just love those scenes. Like, it's like the scenes we wanted in Gremlins with the mom kicking ass. Like, to me, <laughs> yeah. the scene in the the hotel room where she's just, like, laughing at this guy beating her up, I just thought it was great. I loved it. Was that the scene where Bryce left the room? <laughs> no. No? Because I, I just imagine Bryce watching the movie and being so squeamish with the the blood and the punching and everything. No, he's not yeah, squeamish the, the, when it comes to that sort of thing. It's just surgery. Okay. He's totally fine with <laughs> Quentin blood and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, we're talking about you, Bryce. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The blanket was over my eyes for uh, quite a few scenes. Like, the thing I find interesting about this movie is, like, it totally sets up Christian Slater to be the hero guy in the end, but it actually ends up being Alabama. And it's actually, I would argue, it's actually Alabama's story. Yeah. And and she's ends up being the hero in the end. I guess that's why I really liked it. Well, but she's also but the she's, narrator. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But she's unfortunately surrounded by that same violent male posturing that was tedious in Last Boy Scout. I didn't see any characters in this that weren't just Quentin Tarantino's normal type of character. Like these these are his mm. this is these are his playthings, his characters, you know. I like the the Quentin Tarantino-ness that I like was Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper. Mm. The the Tony Scott-ness that I didn't like was those two cops that were so terrible. <laughs> and there's ranges in between that, but I think a lot of it fell on just like, you know, I'm a guy with a gun and I'm going to blow your head off, you know? Oh, yeah. I thought it was you interesting know? that in the beginning, Christian Slater makes that like, I knew something was wrong in Denmark. And then one of the cops yeah, makes later the same Chris line. Yeah, had the same line. Which I was yeah. like, that's strange. Like, what are you trying to say with that? Yeah. But I thought it was funny that these cops end up you know, just that final scene of the showdown is just so Quentin Tarantino and like funny, but also intense at the same time. Yeah. Like, I feel like he has yeah. this way of doing that. And it made me once I saw that, I was like, you're so right, Brett. Like without that showdown at the end, you know, everything that came before just wouldn't have been as great. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things that's like it's because it's because there's no one in this movie except Alabama. That is even likable. Yeah. Like, everyone is completely, irredeemably just a fucking bastard. Brad Uh, Pitt's pretty awesome. Oh, Oh, well, no, Brad Pitt's pretty good. But he's not really in the movie. But he's still a dick because he doesn't clean up and he just, you know, sits around all day. By the way, I hate it when people give me directions ever because I have an iPhone and I have directions there. Yeah, but back then you had to. Brad directions. That's that's my entire experience when anybody tries to give me directions. I will Just say... Stop talking and give me the address. <laughs> that scene, though, when they were like... He was like giving them directions. I was so hoping that they were going to be like, just get in the car and take us, you know? And then Brad Pitt was going to be at the end in the shootout. <laughs> oh, God. That would be so yeah. awesome. Sam pointed out while we were watching uh, th- that uh, fucking... What's his Clarence? Yeah. 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 Just walks through the movie unscathed until that last sequence exactly that's what i'm saying is alabama does all like i mean clarence did beat up the pimp in the beginning and got the shit kicked out of him but like for the rest of the movie it's alabama who's kicking all the ass yeah and i would argue that even walking into a fucking like you know 
gangster's house uh, and and walking out with just a couple bruises is like yeah relatively unscathed like he just kind of walks around and does whatever he wants and it goes exactly how he expects and it doesn't make any damn sense and yeah and then alabama is there to to fucking deal with the consequences leaves a wake of bodies behind him so i have a question yes yes is michael rapaport really good or really bad which one's that okay i have a follow-up that's that's deeply related wait which, which guy was he uh, the, the guy friend, that Dick, yeah, the oh, act, he's Dick, the actor oh, friend, oh, oh, oh. the guy who was like, yeah. I know him. Uh, he's but he's I Paul looked, Mark Wahlberg. I looked at his IMDb. Yeah. What the fuck do I know him from? Phoebe's ex boyfriend, the cop that shoots the bird. But what else? Like, I don't, what? I don't think I've seen any of the stuff he's um, in. But I know is, him. He's so good in higher learning. But Didn't he's again, he's the same character. Yeah, I've never seen so, him be like a, a different character. Is yeah. this his main jam? So what is this I mean what we know is like, from? Is that, is that who he is? You know, or is he a great actor playing this dopey character all the time? Is it, do you think it's like huh. a joke that they put him in a role where he's playing a bad actor? And it's like. Oh, maybe. Very much. <laughs> it's like a meta. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about how much I love a scene where a great actor is playing a character who's a bad actor. That's, yeah. I just love those scenes. But now I can't tell if he's a good actor or if that's just who he is and he was right for the role. I thought, you know, it was interesting because I thought on on the other hand, I, I at first I was like, man, they really gave Brad Pitt like nothing to do in this movie. But then I kind of changed my mind towards the like yeah. that moment the guy cocks the fun of the the gun after he <laughs> offers him the bowl. I was like, brilliant. Yeah. So great. Oh. I mean, I he mean, was a nobody at the time. It was yeah. one of oh, his first he? roles. So it was a. Yeah, it was okay. a small role, and I thought he rocked it. Oh, yeah, it's totally funny with our perspective now, knowing who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels like a cameo. Yeah, yeah. it does, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> nobody would nobody would use Brad Pitt like that in a movie, but they did, and it's this movie, and it's so weird to see it. Yeah, yeah. it's like when you see George Clooney; he was on one of those sitcoms, like Facts of Life or something, and it's like that is so weird. <laughs> These people came from somewhere. There are so many big name actors in this movie. Did you guys see Perfect Strangers, the old sitcom? No. Nope. No. Bronson Pinchot is so good. He was the the guy who was wearing the wire. Oh. Oh. And, uh, I thought he was so good in this. Yeah. He was hilarious. Like too funny. Like the get the coke exploding in his face. Like, oh yeah. I was like Dude, yeah. <laughs> you're a pretty white boy driving a white, nice car. You're getting pulled over for speeding and getting roadhead. Why would they search you? And then he totally fucks himself over and flings coke all over. I'm like, you, uh, come on, man. <laughs> that that Christopher Walken and uh, Dennis Hopper scene is just so great. Yeah. That you was know, pretty awesome. The it's, horrifying it's, racism in it. But. Oh, my God. That was so bad. So this is this is one of the main things uh, I wanted to talk about. Actually, is that scene was awesome, uh, but I I couldn't enjoy it. Is Quentin Tarantino like super racist? I don't think he is because but in I almost think- every movie where I've seen him using writing like that, it's it serves a character purpose, uh, yeah. but it do- but. He, I don't know. Like he's the only guy dropping n bombs f- for for no reason. Like it could be any other th- any other thing to to piss off the mobster guy. 
Uh, well, I don't think it's, it's like I think a career wide thing. I think, you know, I just think you have to look at the time period. And Django like, was like recent. Yeah, but again, it's the time period that that movie takes place. Like people, people use those words then. Like you, you have to consider the time period. I, th- I just think that Quentin's really good at writing realistic characters that are authentic yeah. to their time and place. And I don't he's, think that he is racist. I just think he's writing a realistic character. He plays in that space of the cultural phenomenon of racism. Mm-hmm. And he, like you say, it's, it's more real, not to say that his movies are necessarily grounded, but yeah. it does give those characters a grounding because real people would be having those conversations, mm-hmm. you know? Possibly. I mean, yeah, but like I've seen a lot of real good shows about race relations that don't feel the need to, to be that way, especially written by a fucking pasty white dude. Yeah. If you're trying to bait Sicilian American criminals, then that's a good way to do it. Yeah. I think, I, I don't think it's that, supposed to be that, offensive to black racism. people. It's supposed to be offensive to the Sicilians. Yeah. Yeah, but the message of what he was saying was like, you're no good because you're mm-hmm. part black. And that yeah. message is still there. But it's not that he believes that, it's that the Sicilians believe that. I think the core of the, the insult is that, uh, you know, it's commonly accepted. Yeah. That that being part black is bad and you're part black, ha 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 ha. And... And that was the part that felt weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's particularly offensive to that character because those are two racial groups that were at each other's throats. Yeah, I, I. it's not that it's a common, like he's saying commonly. I think you're misunderstanding. It's it's more the Italians verse thing. Yeah, and it, and that might be like a thing I'd be cool with if it was just the one movie, but I think it's a Quentin Tarantino staple to keep saying the n-word and to be racially insensitive throughout all of his movies for shock value and for no other reason is my opinion yeah there's definitely something there he's built a career on it i certainly don't feel it's conclusive i i feel like he's playing in a space that is volatile and sensitive mm-hmm. and I, I just think that yeah. that's the characters he writes he writes characters yeah. that are volatile and insensitive but yeah I mean, I see your point, plus, Brett. Plus, I, you could kind of say, like, if anybody was going to call him on it, it should be Sam Jackson, and Sam Jackson seems okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know? It's like, that that's Sam's responsibility. I'm glad you brought that up, because um, just to transition to that, when Samuel L. Jackson walks in the scene, I yeah. assumed mm-hmm. that he was going to be the big bad, and I yeah. loved... Gary Oldman blowing him away and it's like, whoa, no, it's this other dude that you just didn't anticipate Mm -hmm. in the room. Sam freaked out at that. I was like, they had Samuel L. Jackson and they killed him in the first scene he was in. Why? (laughs) But they had 1993 Sam Jackson. I mean, again, an actor who started very small. Like, think of him in Jurassic Park. He was just a throwaway guy. But even, even if you didn't know who he was... Like the context of the dialogue of that scene and everything, he yeah. walked in yeah. seeming like he was the badass, and then yeah. he, he blows him away, which I think is a great 
establishing of the actual bad guy in that scene, Gary Oldman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because Gary Oldman kind of seemed like a non-entity at first. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great way to establish a bad guy, to have them kill the guy you think is the bad guy. Yeah. It's it's like the nesting dolls of good villains. Like, <laughs> yes, Samuel L. Jackson, you're like, oh, that's cool. And then you're like, oh, Gary Oldman, that's cool. And then you're like, Christopher Walken. Yeah, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> they did actually build that pretty well yeah. throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, who walked away at the end of this movie? Clarence Alabama and Christopher Walken. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they walked out of the fucking bloodbath. They just walk right out and nobody stops Christopher Walken comes out clean. He's fine. Well, he never showed up. He was smart enough to stay out of it. He didn't want to leave Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. But like... It is kind of interesting we never meet his employer, who is like actually the big bad guy. Blue Lou. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought it Who was, was the, Walken. Uh, I must have misunderstood that. No, Blue he he the... worked for him. Oh, I thought that was like his street name. No, Walken said he works for Blue Lou. Wait, gotcha. so were the guys in the last in the in the shootout scene? Um, <clears throat> were they just rando mobsters as well? No, they all work for Blue Lou because yeah. some of those guys were in the room with Christopher Walken. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just, I, okay. Yeah. I was like, I don't recognize them, but I I was really just paying attention to Christopher Walken in that scene. (laughs) I can't remember how to say his name. Gandolfini. James Gandolfini. James, his scene where he's explaining about like killing people. The first time you kill somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was so brilliant. Like he's so good. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know if there was anything that he did before this, but I could see somebody watching that you know, casting Sopranos and saying, mm-hmm. all right, yeah. this guy's picked up potential. Yeah. But it also kept thinking like, this is something that a guy who doesn't know anything about killing people would write a scene about killing people. <laughs> Nick, what do you know about killing people? <laughs> it's, it's that, <laughs> that male posturing again, you know, just uh, saying know. things to sound like a badass on in a uh, movie. No, I don't know. I believed it, but. I'm vegetarian and I hate killing things. So what do I know? <laughs> That's interesting because I don't see that moment as him being a badass. I see that moment as him like being vulnerable for a moment and sort of yeah. like, sort of being like, you know, I don't even have like the thrill of it anymore. Like, you know, I don't feel yeah. anything anymore is basically what he's saying. Mm-hmm. But that whole monologue is an intimidation technique. He's just trying to scare her. Totally. But like it's I think that's the uh the real genius of the, the Tarantino writing is uh he you know giving it full full credit, it's it's both of those things. He's he's trying to intimidate and he's he knows the best way to intimidate is by seeming, you know, completely open and honest about a horrific thing like mm-hmm. killing isn't even a big deal for me anymore like so don't you know give me the, give me the information now or i'll kill you and i won't even care yeah you know but also and it's interesting this we keep talking about this scene it's such an important scene what they were also doing in this scene is establishing the fact that she's about to deal with the first time she's killing somebody yeah totally oh mm-hmm. huh 
Yeah, and she's so many pretty levels upset about it. Yeah, yeah, because then even right before she does it again, he's talking about some guy in Texas and killing people and how the first one was probably the hardest to do and that's why I really think it's her story and the and it that I feel like that moment is a huge character arc moment for her because she makes the decision to kill the first person you know that she'll ever kill and then when we see her kill again in the end it's like it's nothing mm-hmm. yeah yeah and also what have we learned about carrying Swiss army knives it's very important. The practical. Only only for that corkscrew, though. <laughs> Not the actual knife that she could have pulled out yeah. and used. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I, I think this corkscrew would hurt a little bit more. A little maybe. more violent. Or gruesome. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot of move. That's like a, a thing, right? Like using a corkscrew instead of the knife that's on your bottle opener. Like in every movie, that, 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 that scene happens a lot. Where there's, they just grab a corkscrew off the table. It's like, no, 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 there's a knife on there. Yeah. It just reminds me of that scene in Robin Hood where he says, Robin of Loxley, I'll cut your heart out with a spoon. It's dull. It'll hurt more. <laughs> I don't remember that line, but the, I believe. N- not Men in Tights, the, oh. the Kevin Costner one. Yeah. And it was, it was Alan Rickman. I couldn't make it through that. But, okay, so her being the main character, I think from a character standpoint... Definitely, because she has the most change. We see the most emotion out of her. Mm -hmm. But the thing that makes me feel, I don't know, that question that is like her, the story just kind of happens to her and like her decisions, like she doesn't make any decisions that kind of change the story aside from killing that guy but she i feel like she didn't really have a choice because he was gonna kill her well she had a decision in the very beginning when they're on that um billboard ledge and she turns to him and she says you know if i tell you i love you i'm in this and i'm in it for good and she's making the decision to tell him that she loves him she could have just left and been a call girl but she made a very strong choice there which changed You know, put the basically put the whole story in motion. But it's not a story about them falling in love and getting married. It's a story about like drug lords and coke. Really? Because I think it is. Well, I think it is. She tells him not to go get her stuff. She just wants to fade out. Like she just doesn't want to go back there and he doesn't listen to her. Like all this stuff happens to her. I'm not claiming that it was written with her as the main character. I'm just saying through through watching it she feels like more of a main yeah. character than yeah absolutely i believe the two of them you know alabama and clarence are equally the main characters yeah. equally and and here's the proof she's the narrator yes mm-hmm. but he has he has a head character you know he's got an invisible friend you don't see mm-hmm. the invisible friend unless they're the main character yeah mm. totally you know, you're you're getting their inner monologue in a way. And I mean, I, yeah. I think the it's the same called, weight as being the narrator. It's called true romance because it's it. I think yeah, in it's Quentin rem- Tarantino's weird way, it is about their romance. It's just yeah, a Quentin your Tarantino. Marimba music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Let's uh, talk about that marimba music. We? Oh, yeah. If From Quentin, Hans Zimmer. If Quentin directed yeah, this movie, there would not be cheesy marimba music. I know that yeah. for a fact. From Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Ugh. The guy keeps coming back like a bad penny. <laughs> but it's like, it's it's the music that would have accompanied uh, a really 
like a, just a fucking boring it's, love story. It's a parody <laughs> of the music that would have yeah. accompanied yeah. a yeah. love story. I love the juxtaposition of this happy music against, you know, violence and So you like the marimba music? I'm not saying it's great, oh, okay. but I see the intent and I like the charm of it. It did get repetitive, it did get old. Yeah. It was a it was a good joke and then you're like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> and it reminded me of the music in Raising Arizona, and that shit did work. Mm. Oh, yeah. See, that didn't stand out as cheesy to me, but it's been well, a there's while also since a I've lot more it. variety in Raising Arizona. Yeah, it and I think that's that. the big problem is like the first time yeah. it comes in in the billboard scene, billboard scene, I'm like, okay, well, this sounds kind of dated, but all right. Yeah. And then, yeah. Like it comes in when he's arguing with his dad, and I was like, "This seems inappropriate here." And then it just keeps the yeah. same song. Yeah. It's not even like a slightly different riff on the same song in a different key or something. It's the exact same song. Yeah, it's yeah. like "Take My Breath Away" in Top Gun because it's just like yeah. over and over and over <laughs> again. Another Tony Scott movie. Yeah, and I guess that's oh. just kind of his thing. thing. But here, here's what I'm getting at. That that's good. Think it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I felt about this music. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it gets it's comical. The wrong music in the right way. Yeah, but I yeah, don't think it's but, supposed to be comical at times in this movie. Yeah, but it plays as comical is the problem. Yeah, it's like the their sound guy and the, like the music was they were making a comedy and nobody else <laughs> got the joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It it yeah it doesn't feel like it was like that was the idea from the beginning. It feels a little shoehorned in mm-hmm. in post. Like the tone wasn't there in the way it was shot. Yeah, you know, like it's always sunny. Like it's shot like a comedy, and then they put that music over the top to like play it up, and I think it works really well. And like it doesn't. Feel but it's out also of place. playing against horrifying things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's it goes back to like the tone of how it was shot. Like right. this was shot yeah. as like a yeah. a, a bromance. <laughs> Actually, I a would, dick flick. I would disagree. I think this is shot like a gritty drama. If you look at the lighting in this movie, it's very, very dark. dark. Everything yeah. is very dark. In fact, yeah. the lighting reminded me a lot of Blade Runner. Where like in that, um, ho- like there's in the. In fact, I looked it up to see if it was the same. Um, cinematographer and it's not but so it must be like a Scott family thing but in the (laughs) apartment there's always like the blinds are always moving so that you get this like shadow and light play when they were battling and then with the feathers like in the end scene you get and and the ratio on the faces is just very dark even in the police department you know High contrast. I think both of those yeah. guys are into intense light. You know, there was yeah. a huge mm-hmm. sunset shot in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the the projector during the, the gunfight, you know, there was this crane shot coming across Chris Penn as he was oh. leaning against the rays mm-hmm. of the projector. And it's like, this is way too dramatic yeah. for this yeah. scene. Maybe that's why it just didn't land. Exactly, like, yeah. The, the characters yeah. were like, I don't know. They were hard to take serious and like yeah. things weren't gelling. And I guess I didn't put my finger on it until you pointed that out, Ash, that it was shot like a drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the characters didn't weren't acting like they were in a drama. It's it's because it's it's only a love story 
from the perspective of the two psychos who it's about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I and said so, this reminds me of Natural Born Killer. It feels yeah. very Natural Born Killers. They're, they're, yeah, they're not much seen in their it. own little world, and they're like the the even the meta joke of that that was the moment of marimbas or whatever mm-hmm. you know steel drum nonsense, uh, and it was like the grossest, most like happy sounding instrument of the nineties. Uh, and they're just like, yeah, we're in love. Ding, 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 ding. Let's kill everyone. And like, <laughs> <laughs> so Ash, did you notice the the specific thing that I thought you would love about this movie? I'm a, I'm assuming it was Gary was right. Oldman playing Johnny Depp, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's basically a version of Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, which yes. You've made a movie that's basically a version of Bonnie and Clyde. Yes, this is it does feel very Bonnie and Clyde. I was actually um halfway through the film we went to go take our dog out to go to the bathroom and I was saying this kind of feels like Romeo and Juliet. So I was expecting them to die for each other in the end. So when Christian Slater shot, I was like, Oh, this is it. Like they're going to, cause it, it, yeah. they're both from different sides of the tracks, you know, um, while the like drug people aren't her family it's kind of like her family cause of the pimp and all mm. that. Um, but then, yeah, it took much more of a Bonnie and Clyde twist, which was cool. And again, I think that's why she's so cool, in my opinion. She really speaks because <laughs> you're so cool. You're, yeah, you're gonna was, write on a napkin so cool. and give it to her. Mm-hmm. You're so cool, Patricia. Yeah, she was kid. definitely saying that about herself, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to show you what I wrote about me today, honey. <laughs> I just, I hope someday I meet somebody named Clarence, so I can tell them. Always liked you, Clarence. Always will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I love this. Um, I guess I love the this idea of you know this this criminal badass woman, which is another reason why I love Baby Driver. Because what was her name in it? I forget. <laughs> Don't remember. That was a very much. Uh, she's the one dating. Oh God. John Hamm. She's dating John Hamm in the movie. Oh, oh, her, uh, her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She's super badass. And their story is very like Bonnie and Clyde too, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Now, so that reminds me, I, I, I wish we could have talked more about the connections between Tarantino movies. You know, there's characters that pop up. Like um, John Travolta's character in Pulp Fiction is like the cousin of somebody else in another movie. But it's driving me crazy because I remember Harvey Keitel in some movie talking about Alabama Whirly. Oh. Do you guys remember what that is? No. I feel like there's a big chunk of Tarantino-ness that we're just not talking about because I'm not remembering the details. Did you Google it? Yeah. The Travolta is Vic Vega in Pulp Fiction, and there's a Vega brother mentioned somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. Well, huh. and it's not important, but let us know, super fans. Yeah. Yeah. If if anybody's listening to this, maybe it was in uh, uh, Reservoir Dogs. He talks about Alabama Whirly. I don't know, but I remember Harvey Keitel talking about Alabama Whirly. Sounds like a good, incoherent Google question. Uh, yeah. Okay. Good. What's that movie where Harvey Keitel is talking about Alabama Whirly? Editing magic. Yeah, right? 
No, there's it's just listing off Tarantino movies. Mm. Okay. She's secretly in all of them. Right? Well, I think there is something about that. Um who is uh Don Donnie Donowitz in Inglorious Bastards, that character, he's related to somebody. Yeah, yeah. there's all these weird connections. Oh. He's related to another character in another Tarantino movie. It's Reservoir Dogs. Oh, okay. What do you know? Like I believe it. That sounds right, but a what's character, your information? It, just the quote that a character named Alabama is mentioned in oh. uh, between Mr. White and Joe, whatever. All right, time to watch Reservoir Dogs again. Well, there's our uh, anecdotal fact backing up that True Romance was written before Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, I just found a an article stating 18 so cool facts about this movie and... um yeah, it says True Romance was the first screenplay that Quentin Tarantino ever wrote and that Tony Scott wanted to direct both True Romance and Reservoir Dogs. Oh. Hmm. Tony Scott's Reservoir Dogs. That would have been bad. Tarantino directed Reservoir Dogs. Yes. It was yeah. his first gotcha. feature film he directed. And then yeah. apparently Elvis Presley's estate wouldn't allow them to use any of the music, which is why uh, Val Kilmer's character is referred to as the mentor. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the one rockabilly song is Big Bopper, not Elvis. Interesting. So as I was watching this movie, I realized I've seen a scene of this movie before. And okay. what what scene? The scene, uh, the billboard scene where she's sitting out there after they've had sex and contemplating whether or not to tell him that they're in love. And I saw this scene in film school uh, where we were analyzing scenes for film theory and about when. Uh, when to use close-ups and when to use over over the shoulders. Mm. And it was Mm. such a great scene to learn that from. I will say Ridley Scott is doing an amazing job at that in this film. And it's something... Also Tony Scott. Oh, Tony Scott. (laughs) 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 One of the Scots. Um, But it's something that I'm often surprised to hear um, filmmakers, like, not pro filmmakers, but, you know, like amateur filmmakers don't, usually know about and don't usually know when the right time to use a close-up and a single and an over-the-shoulder is and most of the time people you'll see just shoot basic coverage which is like getting your wide and getting your close-ups and you know just shooting the whole scene from the wide and the whole scene from the close-up and the whole scene from the over-the-shoulder but if you go back and if you're interested in film theory uh, go back and rewatch that scene and pay attention to when the two of them are in the same frame together and when they are isolated in separate frames. And you'll notice that when one character is trying to connect with the other character, you'll often see an over the shoulder or they will be in the frame with the other one. But then when you cut to the character that is not wanting to be with them you know is resisting in the scene they're often in a single because they're isolated they don't want to be connecting with that character and if you pay attention to that scene you know throughout the conversation we go we switch between over the shoulders to singles and when when she first tells him that she loves him you know they they're together but then it's isolating and she stands up into an isolated shot where it's just her and we have when we cut to Christian Slater's reaction he's in a single shot cuz he's still processing and then he stands up into her shot 
and it's it's the first two shot we have of them in in the whole scene and it's them connecting because he he's saying yes i love you but anyway it's just an amazing scene to just pay attention to it and think about you know who's trying to connect with who who's trying to isolate themselves and not connect you know you see it often used really well in arguments you know if it's a good filmmaker it's used fantastically with arguments because you'll cut to a character who's in a single by themselves while the other one is trying to encroach into their frame um but yeah it's a great study in film theory and and what i love about that is you know think of all it all all the work it takes to make all that come together Mm -hmm. because it means an actor moving to a specific place in that space. Exactly. Performing a specific Mm -hmm. movement at specific times, Mm -hmm. lighting those specific scenarios. It's not just like, okay, uh, let's just go ahead and do a one shot here. It's blocking everybody's movement across the room in that scene, lighting it appropriately. That, that could have taken three days to shoot for all we know, just to get it that perfect. Yeah. And when you see a scene, it's very motivated and yeah. When you see a scene like that, it's definitely been heavily storyboarded and the blocking has been planned out for sure. Yeah. And it it just makes you subconsciously like feel Mm -hmm. the weight of the scene. Exactly. Like it's not something you sit there and you think, Oh, he's isolated now. So clearly he's rejecting her. Yeah. Like you just kind of, you (laughs) feel it. It's really cool. Like it adds another layer of depth. And on the other hand, when it's done wrong, you can also feel it as (laughs) well because (laughs) I've seen, like there's a giant bar down the middle of the screen. Hmm, (laughs) Maybe these characters are separated. Well, I've seen, I've seen people shoot like, uh, like, um, you know, a conversation, for example, where they just shoot it in two singles and then it never feels like these people who are having a conversation are ever connecting because they're isolated totally. in two separate, you know, shots. And it's always, yeah. uh, whenever I'm on set, it's always shocking to me how many, like, you know, directors or, or cinematographers, like, don't necessarily know about film th- theory and know when it's appropriate you know, a lot of people yeah. just think, oh, I'll do an over the shoulder because it seems like a, the right thing to do. But it should be motivated because these characters are trying to connect. Yeah. And that's something that like really good directors do well, because mm-hmm. film is not just something where it has to work. It, you know, it can't just work in one element, it can't just work on paper. It can't just work on screen. Yeah. Like it has to work at every step and every step of the process has to kind of look back at the story and reinforce that. Yeah. And that's what really good directors do. Or it's like that, what was the season of Arrested Development that was the Netflix revival? Where they could not put the actors together Mm -hmm. in the same time and same place. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So everything is pasted together. Yeah. Yeah. Is that really? I didn't know that about it. Yeah. And I wonder if that's why I couldn't connect with it. Like now that you describe it, like... Mm -hmm. You know, it was probably just a one shot of this actor and then four weeks later, one shot of this actor. Yeah. And nobody felt like they were in the same room at the same time. Exactly. And it's very like a subconscious thing that, you know, the average viewer is not going to notice. But um, but yeah, it's it's only natural that there's a powerful element to seeing two characters actually together in the same frame um, you know, connecting like in the beginning of the scene, he comes out and he's trying to connect with her and comfort her because she's crying. But then when we cut to her, she's in singles because she's isolated. She's trying not to connect with him. And there's even a moment where she they start to connect 
and then she gets up and walks away and it's it's just it's just really good directing and and blocking and planning that helps that scene play out because it's a very important scene obviously like i would argue it's maybe the inciting incident of the film yeah yeah it's it's the obi-wan and luke (laughs) you know we have to go to alderan scene yeah also patricia arquette like acts the hell out of that scene yeah she doesn't yeah. like job. i this whole movie i don't doubt for one second that she's alabama like mm-hmm. yeah or that she so doesn't you remind love me of him. another thing yeah i stupid as an, an irrational as that whole plot point is i believe it yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. these people are dumb and i believe them <laughs> So you remind me of another thing. Tony Scott is just awesome at shooting fast-moving vehicles. Mm-hmm. You got Top Gun, Days of Thunder, the roller coaster scene in this was oh yeah, awesome, really great. Yeah. The only and, thing I didn't like was the sound. Yeah, um, the, the sound effects, effects were goofy. <laughs> but uh, Tony Scott, I think it might have been his last movie, Unstoppable, about the runaway train. And it is so tense and so frightening when that train is just tearing through a scene. And then if you like do the actual research, because it was a true story, it was like 40 miles an hour. Oh. That <laughs> runaway train, you know. But the way he shoots it, it's so intense. Yeah. Like that yeah. guy can shoot fast moving vehicles. Well, even uh, the there was a scene in this uh, where the, uh, Clarence and Alabama are leaving the – that motel after Alabama kill, kills that dude, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just flies backwards into the street yeah. and like whips the <laughs> into car into traffic. Around, yeah. Uh, into traffic. And then that other car like s- screeches to a stop, but like not in a, in a movie way where there is obviously a lot of space. Like that car stops where their car was half a second ago. And it was like, yeah. that felt dangerous yeah like in a way that a lot of car chases and stuff that i see don't and that was just a small moment mm-hmm. yeah. uh but it's just like damn you guys that are was dangerous cool. yeah actually what little car stuff there was was really cool like all the cop yeah. cars racing into the hotel and they're like squirreling around mm-hmm. and yeah they're like side. they're like really close to almost you know hitting them too like, as they're walking yeah. out yeah all right, so I guess we have kind of a range of overall opinion. Uh, <laughs> Sam, what did you think overall? Okay. 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 All right. I, I feel like I appreciate the movie a lot more now after talking to Ash. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I just think I'm not a Tarantino person. I think it's just mm-hmm. a stylistic oh. thing. Like, I just, it's not my cup of tea. Yeah, if you're, if and, you don't, if you're not on board for that, then definitely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't do well with violence, and I can handle it. Like, I can handle Del Toro violence because... Because it's know. like monsters and shit? Maybe. Something yeah. about that. I still don't like it, but I can still like watch those movies. You just like Doug Jones. <laughs> That's who you really like. Yeah, I don't know. I just I wasn't really a fan of this and it felt like a bad movie to me at the time, but I see that there was a lot of thought that went into it. So I'm I'm just confused and all I know is that I felt like I didn't like it and I can't. Well you gotta go with your initial reaction because that's how you really feel about it. Yeah, I I mean it definitely for like emotion wise, I don't like it, but is it a good or bad film? I I don't know. I don't know. I think people can change your your mind about something. I mean totally. uh, I think I'm, I feel pretty similar to Sam, like watching the movie, 
it kept as it as it went on. It's like, wow, this movie's bumming me out. It's just not as good as I thought it would be. <laughs> mm. But Ash, you are giving us some insights, and it's making me appreciate some of the better things about the movie. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think, I think overall, if that marimba music wasn't in there, we'd all feel differently. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So overall, I think it's kind of a mixed bag. There were a handful of really great things in it. But uh, overall, it does not match my expectations. I thought this was yeah. going to be a much better movie. And it's not so great. <laughs> what do you think, Brett? You say this didn't match our expectations. and My expectations. It didn't match, it didn't match I think, our predictions. Mm. But, okay. the, but what we remembered in the first half about this movie were several great scenes yeah and i did I say i didn't got. remember it so that means it's probably not good <laughs> yeah and, and I, yeah and but like that's my my memory of it was definitely a couple of really great scenes uh carried by a story i didn't care about <laughs> yeah. uh yeah and that's kind of how i feel about the whole movie is like there's there's moments of gold uh and uh, a lot, a lot of moments of cheese, uh, and together it made kind of like a, a, a slightly cheese. above average, but not a great movie for me. Uh, I mean, I would probably watch it again if I was like, if somebody wanted to watch it. It's not like a bad thing, uh, but I wasn't super into it. Um, but I will say, uh, just you know, to throw another probably controversial opinion out there. Uh, Watching this and then having seen some more recent Tarantino writing, Tarantino has grown a lot oh, yeah. visually. Oh, yeah. Uh, totally. But yeah. but hasn't grown a lot in his writing. Well, I think because it's a I style. Or I guess maybe maybe not. That's that's too broad. The, there's a formula that happens in a lot of Tarantino stuff, which is lots of talk and then the big and then the big fight. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. More so than I mean that's that's really broad too because a lot of movies are like the big fight happens at the end or whatever but like <laughs> should <laughs> we know, break down the, story structure right now <laughs> yeah but no Tarantino really takes it to the extreme where there's just a lot of talking is that question is that because stylistically he's a writer that gears more towards writing characters than writing. Like a absolutely intricate plot. I mean, not that his plots are yeah. intricate, but they're all character driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're, they're, he has that's totally true. Yeah, character driven stuff. And it's just uh, I, I wanted to wrap it back into can Tarantino do Star Trek? Oh no, oh. no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not feeling confident after this movie. Yeah, seeing this and then <laughs> seeing the the stuff I've seen that, that's of so, his more recent. That's work. so crazy. Like as bad as this movie is, I blame it on Tony. Not not uh not quentin yeah actually i mean maybe maybe i feel differently because if he is more of a character writer then that would work very well for star trek i mean isn't you know? he star trek is very much about characters yeah isn't he known as being a character writer that's his whole jam mm-hmm. for sure yeah and i think i think it's uh what i'm hoping if the star trek thing happens is that i mean who knows which characters he gets to play with but a kirk spock you know, fight, not physical fight, but argument as written by Tarantino could be very interesting. Yeah. And I could see it working on like a scene by scene basis. I think where I get nervous is how would it work as a whole? Yeah. You know, cause like Star Trek to me is very much these like character moments 
peppered with like really philosophical ideas that make you question like what's right and wrong and how we should be thinking about how we are living now and how the future works. You know what I wish? Like when you make big movies like this, they stand as a defining uh, artifact of that thing. A Star Trek movie is a Star Trek movie. A Marvel movie is a Marvel movie. A DC movie is a DC movie. I wish we could have what ifs. Like in the Marvel comic books, there's what if issues that don't stand as the core story. Mm. It's just a, hey, this is kind of a fun side story. Yeah. Or the story behind Injustice in the DC universe, like the video game where Superman's evil and all that stuff. It's a fun side story. I want to see Quentin Tarantino Star Trek and it not be defined as a core Star Trek story. Yeah. I want it to be a what if side story. I think that's the only way it would work. And it's funny you brought up the Marvel thing because after, while I was watching this movie, I was like, actually, the film series I want to see a Quentin Tarantino movie version of is a Marvel movie. Yeah. A Marvel Quentin Tarantino movie would be fantastic. Yeah. Totally. Because, like, the, I mean, I'd be on board with that. I don't want to go on like a whole other tangent, but like, in my opinion, one of the biggest problems with Marvel movies is the like, let's all stand and exposition. And like, he would make that so much better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about, I don't know if I think it was Marvel, the only R rated Marvel movie, Deadpool. Well, kind, is that, that was... kind of. So, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a. Mar- it was a Marvel comic book, but it's not Marvel Studios. It's Fox. That's why yeah. they couldn't but have was, anyone in it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they could but have X Men awesome. characters. Yeah. You know, I could see a Tarantino Marvel movie falling kind of into that realm. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's awesome. what I want: a story which bores me to tears that Tarantino could make better. The Punisher. Mm. Yeah. That yeah. could be interesting. Hmm. But it's also kind of more dark and gritty yeah, compared yeah. to other characters. Yeah. Interesting. Tarantino's yeah. Fantastic can... Four. Yeah, I just want to <laughs> see him take... It's like I just want to see him take Thor and turn him on his head. And I think... Uh, well, I, I hope, we, we got I the happened. closest we're going to get to that, and it was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. I love, I Thor's so always been my favorite, not for yeah. Oh, my God, it was so good. good. Reasons, I want to see it. Yeah. What I hope happens with the Star Trek is that Tarantino gets uh, a whole bunch of other people to actually work with him. And if they just yeah. give him a Star Trek, it'll be weird and bad. Well, but if he has just... like a really good support team, it'll be I do think amazing. that J.J. Abrams is a gatekeeper here, and J.J. Abrams is going to keep it on the level. Okay. That's what I've been reading. Mm. So he's involved? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's basically the gatekeeper for Star Trek, the way Kathleen Kennedy is for Star Wars. Oh, okay. Well, then there's At hope. least for the time mm. being. Quentin Tarantino, A New Hope. Yeah. <laughs> Help me, Quentin Tarantino. You're <laughs> <laughs> my only hope. All right, so Ash, your final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I... Leave us on a positive note. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I To me, this movie's all about... Alabama kicking ass and I am so on board for that like I love seeing this evolution of this blondie could be bimbo into this like badass like just stone cold killer and uh, <laughs> um, so I love that's what makes somebody a redeemable character <laughs> yeah in my eyes no <laughs> um, so I really enjoyed it it's it's not my favorite Quentin Tarantino film I think you know a lot of the the issues you guys brought up are valid. Um, but, you know, it's the first movie he ever wrote. Like, I think you got to cut him yeah. some sc- slack. Like, 
it's not going to be as good as all the other ones because the other ones are him improving. But I really yeah. like seeing the echoes of where he goes and and you can see little bits and pieces of his style in there. His that, origin story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I really like that. I, th- I thought that was great. To me, it felt... And I think maybe that was just the lighting thing, but and maybe style wise, but like it kind of reminded me of Blade Runner, the original, in some sense, with the lighting and the fact that the like, like you said, there's, I mean, there's really not a lot going on with the story. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if maybe that's, you know, similar reasons why maybe you don't like it too. Is that's just not your cup of tea, I guess. But. Um, but I didn't hate it. I think I I think I'm honestly uh very much in the same boat as Brett where it's like if it was on I'd watch it again, but it's not like my favorite. I'm not like super into it. But. I honestly feel like that's how I saw it the first time. Like maybe it was on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't have a um a strong violent reaction <laughs> to hating it as you did. <laughs> Nick so I did want to mention uh, a post that Mitch put in our uh, Facebook group recently where he's talking about he's seeing his kind of hit themes where he did a bunch of oh, yeah. movies. Yeah. And I'm not going to say we're going to really dive deep into themes, but we're talking about polls coming up soon where we're looking at uh, having you, the audience, choose among movies from a specific actor or specific filmmaker we want to go back and we want to see movies from this actor. Let's have the audience choose one. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be doing stuff like that. Yeah, we've been talking but, uh, about a I, Jim Carrey yeah. one. Okay. Well, I didn't know if I we think- wanted to come out and say it until that, Cats out the bag. that week rolled along. <laughs> but yeah, we're probably going to, because I really want to see a Jim Carrey movie. I've been thinking about him lately and Brett has one specific in mind, but I think we'll let the audience choose mm-hmm. and maybe we'll do more. I, I just, yeah, I, I like themes and I don't know that we can lean too hard into themes because then each week gets repetitive, but I can see going back and visiting, revisiting yeah. some of the same actors well, a I few think times. Ash threw out the theme of like car-based movies with mm-hmm. speed and then mm-hmm. you just mentioned Unstoppable, like just God. runaway vehicles would be an awesome theme. Yeah. I'd love to watch <laughs> Speed again, man. I want to see it. I've never seen it. I think that's it. a movie that it's super Keanu. good, but people expect it to be bad. Yeah, yeah. We watched it like maybe two years ago. It has all the look of bad, but yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love to watch that again. Pop See, I just, hot shot. I just rewatched <laughs> uh, Miss Congeniality, and so I'm like, oh. I'm so on board for more Sandra Bullock. Let's do this. Huh? That could mm-hmm. be an interesting one. Yeah. That uh, that Vine we saw about the. The Ghostbusters. Yes. Uh, oh my God! Is the feminists are taking over? It's all girls Ghostbusters. I'm an adult virgin. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great vine. We should send wow. it to you. Well, anyway, good. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, thanks to everybody who's been participating in the Facebook group. There's been some awesome discussions. And again, if you are interested in joining the group, feel free. I think we have like. 20 members now or something what's what's the name of the group for the, listeners who aren't a part of it the group is called no <laughs> some call <laughs> so, some call Steve. me tim um the facebook group is called let's rewatch podcast and if you just search for it and request to be added i will add you no purchase necessary <laughs> some purchase appreciated yeah um 
And then before we get into the other final stuff, I just wanted to say one thing real quick, if you guys don't mind. But um, if you follow me on Twitter, you're already aware of what's been going on in some of our hometowns. But um, there's been, or if you follow the news at all, you've probably seen, um, the area where half of this podcast lives, the whole area was ravaged by fire. Uh, fires and mudslides and all sorts of horrible, horrible natural disasters. Um, it, you probably well, really just says two. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. But that's so enough. far, so far, we're hoping for not right. Um, but uh, the the mudslide, I think the death count is already up to about twenty people. Um, I don't think the mudslide is getting as much media attention as the fire did because the fire was the worst fire in California history, but the mudslide is really, really bad. And the 101 is more deadly than the fire, more deadly than the fire. It's 30 square miles of land that is covered in mud from a horrific mudslide that it's, it was so bad because of the fire, the fire burnt all the Hills in Montecito. Um, and the 101 is still closed. It's been several weeks. Of- I, I just saw a notification that it opened. Oh, we amazing. Amazing. Yeah. But um, I, I haven't like validated that, but I just saw a notification from somebody at work. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I just wanted to say. But that's um, been like over a week. Oh, it's been two weeks. Yeah. Of it? It? yeah. Wow. Uh, it's been a long time. Nick doesn't know. He's in Italy. He missed all of it. <laughs> um, but if you can help our communities it'd be amazing um and if you can we just ask that you know if you feel like you have the extra money i know it's the beginning of the year it's always hard for people but if you have the extra money and you want to help out there's so many families who are now homeless um i alone know five people who lost their homes in the fire and then um i know through other people at least two who have lost their homes in in the mudslide so if you can please donate to the united way of ventura and santa barbara you can do that by either texting UWVC to 41444, or you can go to vcunitedway.org and donate if you can. It would be amazing. Um, we don't normally ask you guys for money at all because we do this for free. Um, and it's not even money going to us. It's just money going to help those poor people who have pretty much lost everything. I know there's families who have lost children in the mudslide. It's really, really sad anywhere from... I think it was from two all the way to 25 are the poor children who lost their lives in the mudslide. So if you can help, sorry to end it on a downer, but it'd be amazing. All right. Well, cool. That's that's the end of the show. If you liked it, this is part of the Last Dash Network of Con- uh, wait, Last Dash TV Network of Content. Uh, it's Do you know podcast. what our network name is? <laughs> We don't know shit on this end, okay? <laughs> we fuck up our ending every time. <laughs> it's the only thing we're consistent at. Last Dash TV. It's the podcast and a YouTube channel with a lot of fun videos. Yeah. Uh, filled with alcohol and food and stuff. Yeah, we just released another episode of our Let's Drink show with me and Brett. And we drank spicy beers and... Uh, Sam was not there to set design, so I decided to buy some chilies and put them on the table as a set design, and that was a dumb idea in retrospect. I, I was, I actually thought the table looked really nice, oh, but thanks. then I was looking at the corner cabinet and I was like, "What the fuck was I thinking?" Oh no, it's not you. Now- <laughs> you weren't there that day, and uh, and so throughout the episode, all three of us decided to eat chilies, and then realized that Brett didn't have any milk that day, so. 
It's a great. Yeah, Wait, it's a real, real funny episode. It's really funny. <laughs> uh, if you want to see me eat a habanero pepper and cry, uh, and then immediately rub my eyes with my fingers, uh, watch this movie. It's it's a good it's a good time. Yeah, poor Brett. I feel kind of bad for that one. Yeah. <laughs> I love that in the beginning well, you're so like I'm not gonna eat the chili, and by the end somehow you did. Somehow, when alcohol was put into play, yeah. you made very poor decisions. Huh. Uh, who would have thought? How did that happen? I don't know. Anyway, if you liked our podcast, please give us give us a review on iTunes or Google Play Music. We really appreciate your feedback. What? Oh, you want me to redo it? <laughs> no. I'll fucking redo it and I'll do it better than the last time. If you liked our podcast, please give us a positive review on <laughs> iTunes or Google Play Music. We oh really God, appreciate your feedback. Keep, keep both Are you going to fucking in. laugh keep over my good in. line? I yeah. fucking rocked that second line that and good. I didn't fuck up. You got it. You All got right. It. And if you want more of this stupidity, make sure your podcast feed is up to date and tell your friends we'll be back again in another two weeks for another episode of Let's Rewatch. Yeah, next time we're going to watch I Bought a Vampire Motorcycle. What? (laughs) Isn't that how the motorcycle works in Zelda? Do you have to like feed it squirrels or something for it to keep living? Like you? No, it runs on blood, obviously. Well, yeah. There's blood in squirrels, Sam. (laughs) 